passage. Isaiah chapter 55, if you have your Bibles. Isaiah 55 this evening. Pastor Greg Mitchell shared this illustration with a couple of us at the Bible conference. He was talking, he was uh, reading a book about World War II pilots and, uh, and especially those that were flying and on, uh, in the big bombers. Now these were, you know, uh, these were both used in the, in the, uh, in the European theater of operation and in the Pacific theater of operation. And in those places, they would have to fly long distances at high altitudes to drop their bombs, and then they would have to return back to their base. And he was reading about one that had a fuel gauge. And on the fuel gauge, they had actually marked on the fuel gauge with a red line. And that red line, they simply called that the deadline. If the fuel gauge had gotten below that line, they were not going to have enough fuel to return where they wanted to be. And so the point of no return or the deadline. And he was sharing that with us and and he said that's very interesting because in life there are deadlines. I was just today over at the uh, Brighton Town Hall getting our tax exemption, our property tax exemption worked out for our building. And the, the assessor was sharing with uh, my wife and myself that there was a, uh, a, a religious organization, it wasn't Christian, but they were, they had bought a building and they had missed the deadline. March 1st, it has to, all that has to be in. And so as a result, they had to pay taxes for a year. And they weren't happy about it, and their lawyer didn't tell them, and they weren't uh, aware that it's not just automatic. I'm a church. We're tax exempt. It doesn't work that way. You have to get in the paperwork. Deadlines. In the text we're going to read, God is giving the people of God a deadline. He's saying that, you know what, there's a time when you can do this, and there's a time when you cannot. And so I want to talk to you about that this evening. The deadline. Isaiah 55, beginning in verse 6. The Bible says, Seek the Lord while you can find him. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked change their ways and banish the very thought of doing wrong. Let them turn to the Lord that he may have mercy upon them. And yes, turn to our God, for he will abundantly or, or he will forgive generously. I want to tell you firstly about the thought of where this comes from in Isaiah. The background of the text, Isaiah, he's dealing with a nation that is backsliding. They're actually been moving away from God. Idolatry has come into the land. And just a few verses before in Isaiah 55, 3, he says, Come to me with your ears wide open. Listen and you will find life. I will make an everlasting covenant with you. I will give you an unfailing love. I promised to David that here what's happened is the people of Israel have gone away from God. God is a God of relationship. 
He wants to have a relationship with you. It's very easy for people to kind of boil it down and bring it down to the thought of it's just simply religion. It's just simply, if I do A, B, and C, if I keep certain rules, then I'm okay. But God wants to have a relationship with you. That's what he desires. And in God's plan, in God's purpose, his relationship with you is not based on your timing. It's based on his timing. In the Gospel of John, chapter 6, in verse 44, Jesus says, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them to me, and in the last day I will raise them up. God wants us to come to him. But he does set a time frame. He does set the thought that, you know what, Uh, you have to come to me on my terms, not on your terms. Acts chapter 15 verse 18. It's no afterthought. He always knew he would do this. God has a plan. God has a purpose in the earth. He has a plan for your life. And he's not going to wait forever. There's just a reality that there is a time where God will deal. There is a time where God will help. There's a time where God wants to save. The Bible says that uh, the Lord isn't, uh, First, Second Peter chapter 3 verse 9, the Lord isn't really slow about his promise as some people think. No, he's very patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but everyone, but he wants everyone to come to repentance. Here God is looking at earth. He's saying, you know what? I'm patient. There's promises of his coming. There's promises of uh, things he wants to do, but he's patient. He's waiting uh, for people to get their heart right. But there does come a time of a deadline. There's a time thought of usefulness. Isaiah, uh, Jeremiah rather, chapter 5, 1 verse 5, before uh, I knew you before I, you, I formed you in your mother's womb, before you were born, I set you apart and appointed you as my prophet to the nations. Jesus sees the disciples, Mar, uh, uh, Peter and Andrew, James and John, and he says, come and follow me and I will make you to become fishers of men. These were time sensitive. We know that Jesus also called the rich young ruler and said, follow me. He did not and he disappears into history. We never see him again. Same phraseology he uses, come and follow me. He calls us. He invites us. He stirs us. He convicts us. He causes, he deals with us to bring us to the point where we'll be aligned into his will and purposes. Moses experiences this, Exodus 3 and verse 4. And when the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look at the burning bush, God called to him from the midst of the bush, Moses, Moses, here am I, Moses replied. That God's calling, God's dealing with it, but this day is not going to last forever. God's patient. And his character reveals his patience. 
Numbers 8, 14 and verse 18. The Lord is slow to anger and full of, uh, filled with unfailing love, forgiving every kind of sin and rebellion. He does not excuse the guilty. He lays the sin of the, uh, he lays the sin of, uh, the parents upon the children. The entire family is affected, even the children of the third and the fourth generation. He's long suffering, slow to anger. He's patient. He's waiting, dealing, you know, uh, ministering. He's trying to do that. This is very different than you and I. People are not very patient. You cross them once, that they're done with you, written off. People are very quick to discard. Exodus 34, 6, the Lord passed in front of Moses, calling out, Yeshua the Lord, the God of compassion and mercy, I am slow to anger and filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. A revelation of God's foundational character. He's faithful. He's patient. The problem is that we can be too Reliant on God's patience. We can be too reliant that God will not stop dealing, not stop convicting, not stop. And that we've got all the time in the world to deal with things. Ecclesiastes 8.11, because the sentence against an evil deed is so long in coming, people in general think they can get away with murder. That's the message translation. Because God doesn't, you don't sin and God goes, squashes you. Because God doesn't just come and confront every little thing we do. We think, wow, man, we got all day. We can, we can just continue on in our disobedience, our sin, our unrighteousness, and it's no problem. Because judgment hasn't happened yet. We must be okay. This is the problem that people have. They want to assume that God will always be patient. Second Peter 3, 4, they will say, what happened to the promise of that Jesus is coming again? For before the times of our ancestors, everything has remained the same since the world was first created. They're saying, hey, you know what? It's always been this way. We can assume Jesus isn't coming back. Uh, We can assume that we can live any way we want. It's all going to be good. It's just going to work out fine. But in our text, it tells us there's a deadline. It says, seek the Lord while you can find him. Call upon him while he is near. This tells us two things. That one, God may not always be found. And second, he may not always be near. Genesis 3, I'm sorry, Genesis 6 and verse 3. Then the Lord said, my spirit will not put up with humans for such a long time. 
For they are only mortal flesh, and in the future, their normal life stands will be no longer than 120 years. God said, you know what? I put up with them and put up with them. Now I have to judge the earth. And the flood came, and that was it. And there was a time where they could have. But God said, I'm drawing a line. I'm done. In Genesis 7, 16, the male and the female of each entered, just as God commanded Noah. Then the Lord closed the door behind them. He's been preaching for over a hundred years. He's been telling them, uh, I think it was 120 years, I've been telling them, get on the ark. Uh, You need to get, they're not listening to Noah. He's preaching, he's telling people, uh, Bible calls him a preacher of righteousness. Get on the ark, get on the, and then the door closes. And I have a feeling, like this other religious organization, they wished they hadn't missed the deadline. Oh, if we had only been there, if we had only just dealt with it right. Luke tells us of that day. In the words of Jesus, in those days, Luke 17, 27, in those days, people enjoyed banquets and parties and weddings. Right up to the time Noah entered the boat and the flood came and destroyed them all. The, The mistake is God will always be patient. We've got all the time in the world. I don't have to deal with this. I can be, I I don't have to, you know. Romans 11, 22. Notice how God is both kind and severe. He is severe towards those who disobey, but is kind to you if you continue to trust in his kindness. But if you stop trusting, you also will be cut off. The problem of deadlines is we don't always see them. We don't know that they're all coming. We know, right, Mar- March, uh, March 1st, I had to have that paperwork, you know, April 18th this year because of the holidays. Tax deadline. If you don't file your taxes by then, you are going to start accruing penalties and interest. There are certain deadlines in life that you have to See that are there. And God has the same. Jesus weeps over Jerusalem. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that killed the prophets and stoned God's messengers. How often I would have wanted to gather you as a children, as a hen protects her chicks beneath her wings, but you would not let me. Now look, your house is abandoned. And you will never see me again You uh, to say, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Jesus is done with his earthly ministry. And he's weeping over the city he loves because they missed it. There are certain deadlines with God. One is, of course, death. Hebrews 9, 27, it is appointed unto man once to die, and then the judgment. We know from the parable of the Lazarus and the rich man, which is one of those two parables in the Bible that's not really a parable. They don't fit. Jesus would tell a parable, a certain man who had a field, found a treasure, you know, fished all day, sowed seed in the field. He never named people except in that one. And 
the parable of the sheep and the goats, where he says, I'm going to divide the sheep and the goats. He starts it out. It's not a parable. It says, when the Son of Man comes in his glory with his angels beside it. It's not a parable. But the parable of the, uh, the Lazarus and the rich man, as he's saying there, the rich man, after he dies, now he believes. Now he wants to witness. Now he wants to do certain things he can't do. It's too late, though. Luke twelve twenty, But God said to him, You fool, this night, very night, you will die. And then who will get everything you worked for? This is, this is a parable that Jesus is telling and he's bringing out. One man said, those that wait to repent till the 11th hour often die at 10.30. They wait too long, they cross the line, and they go into eternity. Years ago, there was a comedian. He, before he was a comedian, he was a very foul comedian. Before he was a comedian, he was actually a preacher. He used to actually, when he was giving his little comedy stand-up, very foul-mouthed, foul-spirited man. He would actually play videos of him preaching behind him. He had done a show in Vegas and was driving back to L.A. and had a serious car accident. When they showed up, he was still alive. And his last recorded words, which freaked out all the EMTs who were there, is, yes, Lord, and then he died. It happens. When I was a very young preacher, I, we had a Wednesday service in East Hampton before the church moved to Chicopee, and I'll never forget this. There's a woman who came to our service, and she's sitting in the front row, and she's got two sisters on either side, and they are really trying to convince her to get saved. And she's like, nah, I got time. She, she was, I was 22 years old. My wife and I were 22. She seemed old at that time. She was like, I don't know, 40 or something. It was like, you know, like she's, she's kind of old. Now that I'm 56, I'm like, that's a kid. But anyway, she sat there on Wednesday night and told the two sisters in the church, I'll get saved later. I have things I want to do. I'll do this later. But that... Friday, we had a snowstorm. And she went out to shovel her walk. And she slipped and fell and broke her neck. They found her the next morning. She froze to death. I got plenty of time. Death is a dividing line. The rapture is going to be a dividing line. Matthew 24, 40 through 42, two men will be working together in the field. One will be taken and another left. Two women will be grinding at the uh, flour at the mill. One will be taken and the other left. So you too must keep watch for you do not know the day your Lord is coming. That dividing line that we cannot know the time. That there's going to be people who are left behind. 
There will be people in churches that are left behind. That are lost and going to have to now face the tribulation because they were not ready. They did not respond in the right time. Our text tells us about God's dealing. He's actually coming to them and he's saying, Seek me while I'm found. Call upon me while I'm near. God does faithfully deal with us. He wants us to come to him, but it's not always going to be available. Hebrews 12, 16 and 17 says, Make sure there's no immoral or godless like Esau, who traded his birthright for the firstborn for a single meal. For you know that afterwards, when he wanted his father's blessing, he was rejected. It was too late for repentance, even though he begged with bitter tears. Jesus talks about a woman in the book of Revelation to one of the churches who had taught false doctrine, who had caused people to fall into immorality. And it says that, Jesus says, I gave her a time to repent, but she did not want to turn away from her immorality. It says, I gave her a space of time. I gave her that opportunity. Her name actually, the Bible says that he calls her Jezebel, whether that was the spirit he's identifying or her name, we don't know. But he's saying, I gave her that space of time. She wouldn't do it. God does eventually give up. He eventually will stop dealing. Hosea 4, 16 and 17, Israel is stubborn, like a stubborn heifer. So that the Lord... Uh, so, uh, so that the Lord would feed her like a lamb in a lush pasture. Leave her alone. Leave Israel alone. She's married to our, her idolatry. God says, you know what? Leave her alone. I'm not dealing. No, just leave her alone. I'm not even messing with this anymore. Just leave her alone. Absolutely crossed a line. That God said, I'm not, I'm not responding. I'm not dealing anymore. There is a deadline. Call upon me while I'm near. Seek me while I can be found. Hebrews 3.15. Remember what it says today when you hear his voice. Don't harden your heart as Israel did when they rebelled. You know, when things don't penetrate anymore, when God cannot move you anymore, when you're adamant that God is going to have to wait on you, you can miss God. Mordecai tells Esther, if you keep quiet at a time like this, Deliverance and relief for the Jews will rise in another place. 
There's times where we can miss God. The text, though, gives us great hope. He says in verse 7, Let the wicked change their ways and banish their very thoughts from doing wrong. Let them turn to the Lord that he may have mercy upon them. And yes, turn to our God, for he will forgive generously. Seek the Lord while he says, you turn to God. and God can do a miracle. God can do a miracle for you. This is what we need. We desperately need this. God wants to heal, save, and have mercy. He wants to help us. He wants you to respond so that you can receive that which is beneficial. I'm going to go into a little gray area here. Just forgive me, but it's the illustration that bears the best example. The most dangerous cancer for a man to get is testicle cancer. It's also the easiest treated. The reason it's dangerous is because men won't go to the doctor for that. And by the time they do, often, it is too late. If they had responded in a timely fashion, it's very easily treatable. This is what God's saying. Come to me. Let me help you. I've been dealing with you not to torment you, but to save you, to heal you, to help you. I'll have mercy. God's preference is to forgive our sins. God's preference is our obedience. His preference is that we would come to him and get things right. Our text talks about forgiveness. This is to freely pardon. It's to wipe out a debt is what it literally means. To pardon, it's actually to lift off a sentence or a stigma. It has to do with healing. And our text tells us how to do this. You have to seek him. This is talking about directional. There's an old comic called the Peanuts. This was a group of kids with a dog and a little bird. And one day, one of the boys in it, Linus, was looking under a light, and his sister Lucy came up and said, Linus, what are you doing? He said, well, I'm looking for my quarter I lost. Oh, so she starts looking around with him and trying to find it, and he, she says, where did you lose it? He said, well, I lost it over there. Well, why are we looking here? Well, the light's better here. We do that with God. Seeking is directional. Seeking brings us to a place. Call upon him. This is about prayer. Prayer is not just marking time in the prayer room. Prayer is not just about your laundry list of things you want him to do. Prayer should be an honest conversation between you and God. 
There's times where you've got to sit down and say, God, this is where I've been wrong. God, this is what I desire you to do for me. Billy Graham said of prayer, it's just simply talking to God, but in our text to call upon him is not just simply to say, hey, good to see you. It has to do with you pouring out yourself. Turning to the Lord, forsaking, means the thought of repentance. Renewing our mind, thinking differently. See, if you're in a place where you haven't read your Bible in a neon, are you really seeking God? If you haven't really prayed, I mean, just mark some time in prayer is one thing, but pray, talk to God. Like, God, this is me. If preaching becomes boring or Whatever it might be, you need a miracle from God. You need God to help you. And the time is now. Second Corinthians two uh, six two. For God says, at the right time I've heard you, and on the day of salvation I've helped you. The right time is now. Today is the day of salvation. There was a time where my son, he was probably eight years old, nine years old. I was with a Dutch pastor. We were in Lithuania, and my son was in the water, and we had to go. And I said, yeah, Brian, you got to get out of the water. He's like, yeah, Dad. I said, now. And the Dutch looked at me and goes, you know, we don't have a word like that. We don't have that expressive word of the urgency of the moment. But our text tells us that there is. Now is the right time. Oh, I'll deal with this later. Now is the time. Well, you know, it's been like this. Now is the time. Because there is a deadline. Those planes that flew in World War II... They were clunky and loud, and they used a lot of gas. There were no mid-air refuelings, and you did not want a ditch in the water. Planes make bad boats. So they, whether they were coming back from Germany over the Red Sea, or whether they were coming back from some island to land in another island in the South Pacific, they wanted to make sure they could get there when they needed to get there. God says, seek me while I can be found. There's the time. You have, if, if you're here and listening, I believe you haven't passed that line. But if you refuse to respond, and I've seen it too many times as a pastor, people are lost because they didn't respond. God is merciful, but you have to be honest. You have to be willing to say yes. I need to have an honest conversation with you, God. This is what's going on in my life, in my heart, in my mind, and I need a miracle. And God will meet you. That's the promise of our text. He says, if you'll do this, 
I'll be there. When my wife got saved, her, her favorite song, I forget the guy who did it, but he made a statement in it. He, it was called, When God Ran. And it was very interesting and said in the parable of the prodigal son, it's the only time that God is seen running when the prodigal made that effort to come back to the father. He said, God ran, met him. I'm with you. But God wouldn't go out and find him in the filth. He wouldn't go out there. But as soon as the prodigal made that, God ran. God will meet you. God will meet you where you are if you're simply willing to respond. But don't wait. Don't wait. Let's bow our heads for just a moment. Maybe you're here this evening. Maybe you're not right with God. God doesn't want you to perish. He doesn't want you to cross a line, to go into eternity. He's reaching out to you. He loves you. He's dealing with your heart. He wants you to respond to him. Come to his mercy. Come to his kindness. Come to his everlasting love. That's God. But I can tell you he won't deal with you forever. You have to respond as he's dealing with you. And if you're here this evening, you're not right with God or you're backslidden, you're away from God. Maybe nobody knows it, but you and God. And God is dealing with you about it. That dealing will not last forever. He's pressing you right now. He wants you to come. I wonder if that's you, if you'd slip up your hand and say, Pastor, would you pray for me? I need to get my heart right with Jesus. Anyone at all, very quickly. You're not saved. You're backslidden. God is dealing with you. You know the conviction. God's pressing. You know when God is dealing with you. He makes himself very known. You need to respond very quickly. Maybe you're here and you are saved. But maybe there are things in your life, usefulness. Maybe it's a disobedience that, ah, it's not a whole big sin. Or maybe you've gotten away with it for a while and you think, ah, it's no big deal. If God was very serious, he would have brought it out by now. He would have dealt. But know that there are deadlines. God, in his mercy, gives us a space of time. Gives us the opportunity to respond. And then there comes a time where he might stop just dealing with us. Just leave him alone. And go on his way. Because his time, his purpose, he draws us. We don't come to him on our terms. We go to him on his terms. Let God help you. You want to pray? Why don't you find a place real quick? Go ahead. Andrew, come on. Yeah, just find a place. Let's all stand. We're going to sing a song, worship his name, give him praise this evening. Create in me. Create in me a clean heart.
thank God, thank God for his mercy. Hallelujah. Thank God, because I'll tell you, if it wasn't for his mercy, we'd all be in trouble. Mercy is not getting what we deserve. Grace is getting what we don't deserve. Mercy is not getting what we do deserve. And thank God for his mercy. Amen. You remember our services on Sunday, our Sunday school, continuing on. And good things ahead there, our Sunday morning service, uh, 1030. Let's bow our heads, go rejoicing. I'm going to ask Nelson if you'd close this in prayer.